Green Divas and Green Dudes come in many shades of green. Here to help you discover and celebrate your personal shade of green are hosts Green Diva Meg and Maxine Margot, veteran radio chicks who share important news about climate change and the plight of human existence, but somehow manage to make most of it fun and sexy using at least 50 shades of green. Hey, so glad you tuned us in today. You are tuned in to 50 Shades of Green Diva's podcast with Green Diva Meg and Green Diva Max. And we're all about technology today, or we're trying to be anyway. Well, <laughs> technology today is is a lot of stuff, but a lot of stuff came from strange places before. Well, you know, I mean, we sometimes you watch like Star Trek or whatever sci-fi shows or movies of the past and mm-hmm. you're like wait a minute they're doing that now yeah like we were talking about inspector gadget you know and his niece being penny the hacker and dr claw and the brain and they came up with things that you wouldn't that we're using today uh, like the computer laptop and the smart watch hey who knew stay tuned because that's just a tiny bit of what we're getting into today. But before we do any of that, I do want to thank our sponsor. This GD podcast is brought to you by Envy Heater. The Envy Heater is a super efficient wall-mounted electric panel heater that looks great in any setting and heats up a room in just minutes. It costs only four cents per hour to run. Wow. The Envy Heater is a great product for people looking to reduce their carbon footprint and save money while doing it, right? Safety is a priority. They're great for homes with small children and pets because of their cool-to-the-touch design. It's easy to install Envy, and you can do it yourself in just a few minutes. Find out more about the Envy Heater at eheat.com. today's show. Gadgets are cool, right? And Mm -hmm. green gadgets, sometimes literally even more cool, especially when they reduce our carbon footprint and output. But at this point in the game, we need some serious innovation to help clean up our oceans, our air, our soil, and slow down the massive polar ice melts if we're going to keep the human race alive on the planet. Mm. It's more than gadgets now. It, it's more than gadgets, but people are coming up with things, you know, that mm-hmm. are improving. The technology improves more and more, and, and hopefully we can... There are solutions to stuff. as a, a lot of things that are out there already there that can help. So, you know, we have to start focusing on that, but also make people understand why we need to focus on that. Well, yeah. So here we have listed a few things, a few reasons why we really need to step up our game with technology. You know, you see things in the press every day, and there's a lot of reports coming out about what's happening with the environment and climate change. And things are factual. Things from NASA, 
that come out are factual. They're not made up. They're not fake news. This is happening. It's happening, people. And we need to pay attention. And hopefully, you know, people will start, and I think they are starting to get a little nervous. So what's happening lately? We're in these polar vortexes and crazy things going on, but... In all of that, you know, temperature rise has a, stuff a lot to do with it. Uh, so global temperature rise, according to the NRDC, which is the Natural Resources Defense Council, uh, over the past 50 years, the average global temperature has increased at the fastest rate in recorded history. And experts see the trend is accelerating. All but one of the 16 hottest years in NASA's 134-year record have occurred since 2000. Yeah. Scientists agree that the Earth's rising temperatures are fueling longer and hotter heat waves, i.e. Australia, uh, more frequent droughts, heavier rainfall, and more powerful hurricanes, and we've had all of those. Uh, So go listen to our show on weather v. climate, and you can, you know, from that show get, get the difference. There is a difference between weather and climate, and they're both affecting us tremendously right now. Well, and one of the things that things that is happening uh, with global climate change is that our oceans are warming. Uh, the oceans have absorbed much of this increased heat that we've been mentioning with the top 700, about 2,300 feet of ocean showing warming of more than 0.4 degrees Fahrenheit since 1969. The global sea level rose about eight inches in the last century The rate in the last two decades, however, is nearly double that of the last century and is accelerating slightly every year. And again, if you listen to uh, that show we did recently on weather versus climate, Paul Douglas talks about why warming oceans is affecting and supersizing our storms. And with the, the warming oceans is the ocean acidification. And since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, the acidity of surface ocean waters has increased by about 30%. This increase is the result of humans emitting more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere and hence being more absorbed into the oceans. And all the plastic and other pollution isn't helping. No. It just keeps getting worse. We have gyres and fryers and (laughs) we have all... It's just turning into... Extreme weather, Meg. Which, what say you on extreme weather events? Well, the number of record high temperatures, uh, t- high temperature events, in the United States has been increasing, while the number of record low temperature events has been decreasing since 1950. The U.S. has also witnessed increasing numbers of intense rainfall events. Uh, as again, as meteorologist Paul Douglas says, it isn't that climate change is creating hurricanes and fires but it is supersizing them. And along with that, uh, we're having massive ice meltdown. Uh, So we all know how bad things are for melting ice caps and glaciers, but recently a gigantic cavity was discovered growing under West Antarctica that scientists says covers two-thirds the footprint of Manhattan and stands almost 984 feet tall. That's insane. It is inside the... Thwaites Glacier, and if it were to disappear entirely, the ice held in the glacier could lift the ocean by an 
estimated 65 centimeters, which is about two feet. But that's not even the worst case scenario. The Thwaites Glacier actually holds in neighboring glaciers and ice masses further inland. If its buttressing force disappeared, the consequences could be unthinkable, which is why it's considered such a pivotal natural structure in the Antarctic landscape. These are just a few of the cheerful highlights, which we don't want to dwell on. We need we can need ecotherapy now. Yeah, right and now spe- we need that last and, and that's our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> what we wanted to do was kind of paint the picture of the reasons why we need some really innovative, creative minds, and there are there, and that's the good news that's coming. So stay tuned because we have a lot coming up. A lot of good news about innovation. Before we move on, we just want to invite you guys to interact with us on social media at 50 Shades of GDS, at The Green Divas, at TM Shades of Green, at Green Diva Meg, all of these on Twitter and Instagram, and of course on Facebook. Right, all, as all the of Green them. Divas. Yes, and indeed. Visit thegreendivas.com, all spelled out T H E, Green Divas, to find out more about what we're doing, what we're writing about, what we're producing, and. Right, and you can tune in on so many platforms. Oh, yeah. You can tune in on. On TuneIn. <laughs> on TuneIn. You can tune in Spotify. Spot, Spotify uh, um, now you can go, uh, hi Alexa, play the Green Divas or Siri. Yeah, and it will come up yep. and uh, and Pandora is pending, people. Pandora is pending. Yes, we have some huge global problems, but I do still believe that in addition to cool new innovation on a massive scale, which we will get to in this episode. If everyone focuses on reducing their own personal carbon footprint through energy reduction, pollution reduction, and just being mindful of how we travel and impact the world around us, we can make a dent in this massive shift that needs to take place to reverse our current accelerated trajectory towards doom. Seth Lightman, also known as Green Living Guy or Green Dude Seth, Uh, has been a regular green dude on GD shows for many years. He's the author of The Green Guru Guides, and he's all about green tech. There are two green techs that are, uh, besides cars, that are essential right now. And one is solar, and then the other is energy storage basically a battery bank. And I'm noticing that having them together is better for being as close as you can to being off the grid as possible while still being on the grid. That's why I've got Tesla solar on my roof and I'm waiting on two power walls. The Tesla power walls are basically battery banks. They take the solar during the day and they help recharge your battery banks. And you can use it as either or a combination of backup power and also you can throw it onto the grid. So if you have energy in those battery banks, you can throw enough 
onto the grid with your solar so you can get that 110% load off of the grid. can clean up the oceans. Again, technology out there that's that's doing that. There, there's hope. There's hope. There's an, there was an article in Singularity Hub in May of 2018 that had some examples of new green technology that can help, in, especially in the oceans. There's something called the Sea Bin Project. It is installing floating rubbish bins with a pump infiltration center at harbors, marinas, and other Hot spots, and there's a lot of hot spots, cleaning up garbage and oil floating in the water. On average, an individual seabin catches around 3.3 pounds of garbage per day, which is about half a ton of debris a year. British company Recycling Technologies has developed a revolutionary technology that turns all forms of plastic products into virgin plastic. Hmm, goes with <laughs> green divas. Wax and oils called plaques. This includes materials to traditionally considered unrecyclable. Oh, well, that's cool. So that's an interesting. Their Im- ambitious dreams have now come become reality as the Ocean Cleanup deploys its $20 million system designed to clean up the 1.8 trillion pieces of trash floating in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, the Gyre. The system was designed by the nonprofit Ocean Cleanup, which was founded in 2013 by 18-year-old Dutch inventor Boyan Slat. Their mission is to develop advanced technologies to rid the world's oceans of plastic. According to the EPA, 27% of greenhouse gas emissions is from transportation, which is the second largest contributor to the problem, right behind electricity. So we can't talk about technology solutions without talking about new car tech, ironically, much of which involves all-electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. On the heels of the Detroit Auto Show, green car dude John Volker gives us a bit of insight as to what is happening and what is coming. Hi, so this is John Volker, uh, formerly of Green Car Reports and now more of a uh, rotating writer on green cars and energy topics associated with them. Here we are at the start of 2019. It's been an interesting time. We're a little more than eight years past the introduction of the first two practical plug-in electric cars, both of which launched in December 2010, the Nissan Leaf, back in the days when it had uh, somewhat unusual looks and a 74-mile range, but it was the first high-volume battery electric car sold in the world, and then the Chevrolet Volt plug-in hybrid, a concept that actually was very practical for a lot of people, except that Chevy could never really explain how it worked. And so eight years and a bit later, we're at what I would consider to be almost the end of the first iteration. And if you look out the next eight years, things are going to change enormously. Sales of plug-in electric cars globally have been rising pretty much every year. But compared to 2010, 
China is now by far the big noise. They bought way more electric cars uh, than any other market. And you, the other big markets, frankly, are Europe and North America. But China has said that while it didn't have a date, it intends to ban the sales of new vehicles with combustion engines at some point in the future. And we've known this for a while in that it has been for 10 plus years, government industrial policy in China to dominate the world's production of photovoltaic solar cells, which they do, lithium ion battery cells, which they are arguably on their way to doing, and electric cars. In North America, we've switched enormously from passenger cars, sedans and hatchbacks of all sizes, to um, these trucks. Uh, they also include minivans, but really it's the crossovers that are the big, the big driver there. And a lot of people who bought sedans or hatchbacks are now buying crossover utilities of a whole variety of different sizes. And this created a short-term problem for electric cars because the bulk of the electric cars on the market today, if you take out Tesla, which are still far more expensive than regular people can afford, but the bulk of the electric cars are essentially small hatchbacks because that has been historically the largest segment globally. Uh, compact hatchbacks, but if you think of the Nissan Leaf and the Chevy Volt and the Volkswagen e-Golf and the Hyundai Ioniq in its various iterations and so on, those are all compact hatchbacks. So people buy by segment first. They may be open to buying a battery electric crossover utility, but if there are no such things, if their choices of crossover utilities are gasoline engines or bigger gasoline engines, that's what they're going to go. They're not going to buy a different kind of car. All of this is about to change, and a handful of things have happened. Number one, the prices of lithium-ion battery cells have fallen faster over the last 10 years than virtually anyone predicted when those first electric cars came out. And now the Holy Grail, which is considered to be $100 a kilowatt hour or below, will probably be reached within a finite number of years. Let's say by 2025, could be, could be earlier than that. When that happens, what it means is that a long-range battery electric car, and for long-range, you're talking 200 to 300 miles, somewhere in there. All of a sudden, a long-range battery electric car won't be priced at significantly more than its counterpart with a gasoline engine. And in fact, that gasoline engine is going to get more expensive as in the rest of the world, cars have to get more and more fuel efficient to emit less and less carbon dioxide. And so one of the things we learned over eight years is that especially in North America, where we have essentially zero functioning mass transit outside a handful of cities, and people need their cars to do everything they do, 74 miles or 96 miles or pick your number is not enough range. The number seems to be where people start getting comfortable with considering an electric car seems to be about 200 miles of range. Uh, 250 is better. And that's where the Chevy, Chevy Bolt EV came in at 238. It's where uh, the Hyundai and Kia counterparts to the Chevy Bolt EV come in. They're in sort of the 240. Those sorts of cars 
now are being able to be considered by more buyers except for the crossover problems. And that's what's going to happen starting in 2020. We will see a slew of small battery electric crossovers, probably with all-wheel drive optional, that have the ground clearance, that sit up higher, that have the station line and body. They, too, will be battery electric, and that will open up new sets of buyers. We're entering the 2020 model year now. So let's say five years from now, we'll be entering the 2025 model year. I expect that there will be between six and 12 affordably priced, long range, all electric crossover utilities on the market, along with a variety of other body styles, sedans, hatchbacks, uh, maybe some sports cars from a dozen or more of the known global car brands, which is to say not startups like Tesla, we may by that point see the first Chinese brand having entered the market almost surely with an all-electric vehicle. There are a number now entering in the luxury space, sort of $60,000 and above. We'll see if any come further down. We will see a nationwide fast-charging network that is much faster than what we have today at 50 kilowatts. Probably most cars will be able to charge at 100, if not 150 kilowatts. And now for Silly Science Facts with G.D. Max. We love these silly science facts. They may be silly, but they're really helpful because the green divas love goats. And when they can help reduce forest fires, we love them even more. Uh, so let's go from high tech to kind of low tech here. Mother Nature invented goats, so who needs high tech when we have goats? It's all about the goats. Smokey the bear says goats can prevent forest fires. And that's Smokey. He's pretty incredible. We can say from all that's been happening uh, recently and even prior that California has a wildfire problem. Yeah. And I've been there when there were wildfires and you were in the last one when the campfire was happening. And it's been getting worse and worse thanks to climate change. Uh, As communities figure out how best to prepare for future wildfires, because they're not stopping anytime soon, some are calling in an unstoppable force of nature. goats (laughs) goats nevada city a town of 3100 in northern california launched a goat fund me campaign that's so funny it's a goat fund me goat fund me uh and they the campaign is to rent ruminants ruminants i love that word to manage city land (laughs) uh So, the graze is catching on. Prescriptive grazing has been getting more popular throughout the country, and now in this particular county in Northern California. A herd of 200 goats can cover an acre a day, munching up accumulated brush so that a fire won't have as much to feed on, city officials told the LA Times. It's the same principle behind a controlled burn, but with cute furry faces. (laughs) Mother was a goat. I keep saying that. 
Herds are available for rent <laughs> in the area for anywhere from 500 to 1,500 per acre, depending on the terrain. Yay, you, you goats. Just, you, got, you just got to love goats. And we do love our goats, don't we? Yeah, and, and they're coming to help a forest near you. <laughs> and Smokey the Bear is happy. Another Silly Science Facts with Green Diva Max. <laughs> The end has come so soon. I hope we have provided some hope that there is technology happening out there. There's so much more. We could do hours of interesting commentary on all the technology. Yeah, like, for instance, because we didn't have enough time, the Dutch vacuum, which (laughs) there was a movie Spaceballs, and they had the Mega Maid that sucked out. Of the air from the planet, and now that <laughs> this Dutch company has created uh, something similar that that takes pollution out of the air, and they've put it put it up. It's it's a tower that does all sorts of things, and um, it, it's just quite interesting. And the other part of this thing, the, this new technology that they've developed, the air purifier just doesn't clean up smog. It can also, and here's more, here's more, be used to make fine jewelry. <laughs> What? Wait, Yes. What? The fine carbon particles that the tower collects can be condensed to create tiny gemstones that can be embodied in jewelry pieces like rings and cufflinks. Oh, cool. So it's not just the Ruzgard engineering company that has made this tower that, which could eventually clean Mexico City and Paris and L.A. You get <laughs> rings and things out of you it. You know, and, and I have to say, but there's some weird technology. Remember the thing we did about... The scientists that want to bring back, and they think it's going to help climate change, which is the weirdest thing. The mastodons, remember? Right. The mammoths or whatever? Right, the woolly mammoth. The woolly mammoth. Yes, they they think it can help climate change. I don't really. They would have these giant mastodons thump down the the snow in in the northern parts, and it's going to help climate change. Yeah, I think they just really want to do their science experiment, and they want to rationalize But, you know, here's another good one real quick. The avocado pits. Right. Some company, I'm not sure where. I don't have the notes in In Mexico. Thank you. Right right where they have a lot of avocados. It's the pits, but yeah. They've made biodegradable plastic. Right, out of out of pits, they have. I mean, Mexico. (laughs) Yeah, we we know pits. Mexico (laughs) produces pits. Mexico produces three hundred thousand pounds of avocados, and that's fifty percent of the world supply. And a lot of it goes into landfills. But this uh, engineer uh, and his company, uh, his name is Scott Mungia. He developed a method to turn it into bioplastic and turn it into straws and other things that. Are positive. So keep keep thinking, people. So some closing words. Here is a quote from George Orwell, which seems relevant <laughs> in today's yeah. today's world more than ever, George. You want a picture of the future? Imagine a boot trampling a human face forever. The moral to be drawn from this nightmarish situation is simple. Don't let it happen. It depends on you. Uh, Recently, 
Uh, Sir David Attenborough, 92-year-old British broadcaster and natural historian, was interviewed by Prince William on the BBC, and he had some very wise words. He said, People have never been more out of touch with the natural world than they are today. He said, We must care, respect, and revere the natural world. We can wreck it with ease. We can wreck it without even noticing. You've been listening to The 50 Shades of Green, a collaborative gig between the Green Divas and the Many Shades of Green radio shows, happily recorded at Green Diva Studio. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts and The Many Shades of Green on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Stitcher, among other places. You can find more information about this show and much more on thegreendivas.com. Thank you.